2: Hey you how are you how's your uh, how's your summer going i hope you're spending a lot of it outdoors and near bodies of water my summer is my summer's going very well my summer is um, mostly consisting of me promoting my book the rachel incident which it's so funny i've been writing books for a few years now and i've never had this experience before where um, i like usually i have to beg borrow steal to get on any newspaper or roundup or you know get be a guest on a podcast or something and now this time around it's like oh wait people want to talk to me and <laughs> people want to <laughs> people want me to come and do their event and uh, it's also flattering and wonderful and strange and the result of that is is that um, i also i'm too busy to do things like record my own podcast Um, And that's why today we don't have a normal sentimental garbage podcast. We have an episode of the Straight Up podcast instead, which I did with Kathleen Nelly a few weeks ago. I just loved doing it. Like I'm doing so much press at the moment. uh, And just to have like a lovely, silly, drinky chat with two girls who love pop culture um, was so fun. And it was so fun that I was like, you know who would really enjoy this conversation? Probably most of sentimental garbage listeners. (laughs) So instead of um, running myself ragged and trying to squeeze another episode in, I was like, listen, I'm just going to ask Kathleen and Ellie if they'll let me put this podcast on my feed. And they were kind enough to say yes. Um, This is also the last sort of episode of the season. I am getting married this summer. I'm also moving house and it just seems like the natural time. To take maybe like a six or seven week break from uh, obsessively watching, you know, movies and TV shows from twenty years ago. Uh, I'll probably do that thing that I normally do, which is you know, pop in every now and then with like a random episode, probably with a dear friend. Um, but on the whole, there's going to be, you know, going to be a little bit of a break for me. Um, as always, you can still buy my book, *The Rachel Incident*. I hope you do, and thank you to the people who have messaged me already and um, who've read it and who've enjoyed it. It's been such a wonderful time and doing doing all the events and meeting so many listeners has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I promise it won't be that long a wait for me. Um, but yeah, you can get me in all the usual places until I'm back again. I'm Zaronline on Instagram. That's C-Z-A-R-O-N-L-I-N-E. You can see all the updates and all the bits there. And in the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful summer. <laughs> the next time we speak, I will be a wife. <laughs> Isn't that something? Um, if you have any suggestions for the podcast as well in the meantime um, for the next season, email them to sentimentalpod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, have a lovely, Have a lovely July, have a lovely August, and see you
1: soon. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on Straight Up. You're one of our favourite podcasters, personally. Oh, no, that's so nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. But obviously, you are primarily a novelist. writer. Yes.
3: <laughs> and to kick off proceedings, we have got a Cosmo for you. Oh, A, a very chic, canned Cosmo. Because... You love sets in the city and yes. we always
2: record over a drink. I know. We always we had so many of these when we were recording Oh my God, sorry, are you city. kind of sick of them? Did you? No, you yeah, well, it's, I mean, this yeah. Is, it's such a kind of like a Proustian thing now that whenever I have them, I feel like I'm back on that Zoom call with Dolly again. <laughs> but also, obviously, I would always have them from a can and she would always have mixed them like properly. Did them properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and that's just, glasses. that's the whole thing, yeah. Oh, she's like very chic. <laughs> Everything she does doing is chic them properly. Yeah, just
1: sentimental <laughs> in, in the measures. city was my first introduction to sentimental garbage. That's how oh, i yeah,
2: I think that's the same for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's
1: lovely. too good. Thanks. It's too, too good. We always start with a little icebreaker. Okay. Which is, when is the last time you had slightly too much to drink?
2: Oh, that's happening a lot at the moment, mm-hmm. and I'm
1: I am like, oh god, is it is it a problem?
2: <laughs> do you know it's so hard because like we're having such like gorgeous weather at the moment, and I, I feel know. like we're so it's so difficult to know what to do with the extra hours and not get battered. You
1: know it me? is really hard. In the evening, you just suddenly feel like when you finish doing things at five or six, you're yeah, like, yeah. the world is my oyster. You've got I whole, should be in a pub exactly,
2: yeah. and you want to get your roll spritz on or whatever, and it's it's um. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky, tricky, tricky. So tell um, us about an absolute bender. Right, I can't. I'm trying to think of the last line. Remember. True <laughs> bender. I, got, I definitely had like a vague piss up the other night because um, we launched the book on Monday night, and uh, then after it's like after we went for some pints, and I left my shoes in the glasshouse doors, so Ooh. I had to come back for that, I was about between my legs the next morning. <laughs> but in terms Glassed. of like b- being absolutely battered, I'm trying to replace myself because i know it's been lately
3: (laughs) well you're celebrating i feel like you're in launch mode it's fine
2: yeah it is fine and uh thank you (laughs) yeah
1: it must feel like a real like moment though like you say because how long did the book take to write if you don't mind me asking
2: do you know it's it's a really different everything else i've written in that it was such a short amount of time to write Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's because it's stuff that I've spent like, you know, over a year or two years writing. And then they come out to fairly, fairly like lukewarm response. And this, I spent 11 weeks writing. And it's like the only time people have been like, well, not the only time, but like it's been the most response I've had. You from wrote any it in 11 ever. weeks? It's nuts. It's not normal. It's not how people should write yeah. books, but it was just this. <laughs> two this, and a
3: bit months? Yeah. Oh my God. I must be the best how? business movie I ever I know. Made. It's
2: insane. It's, it's really weird. It's, um, so what happened was, is that I was working on another book and, um, I realised that it wasn't going to work out, and I'd been working on that book for two years, <gasps> and it had been like it was seventy thousand words long, oh and nice. it was just going nowhere. And I was like, not only do I not like writing this, I don't ever want to sit in a podcast room with two girls and pretend like I do like it. Do you okay, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Because the thing is, when you don't believe in what you're writing, even when you're writing it like how are you going to pretend in 2 years time yeah. or when a however <laughs> long ad- promo. yeah when you're doing promo it's impossible
3: how would well, can you tell us what it was about is it too triggering
2: no not at all it was you know and maybe the kind of vague subject matter will be worth coming back to one day but i was very interested in um sort of you know the kind of like the post how to be a woman kind of we're all so jazzed about feminism moment that was lasted for about six years and now nobody talks about feminism anymore
3: (laughs) yeah it's deeply uncool isn't it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah um it's and that's that's strange isn't it and then and then also like i so the the idea was kind of a vaguely black mirror vibe set in a kind of a, a, a contemporary a business that was all about feminism and it was like i was really interested in what happens when you get like an ideological movement that like so many young girls are jazzed about and ready to throw their efforts into versus like when you're trying to run a business that way when you're trying to girl bossify feminism you know and you're naturally you those things can't coexist if something's supposed to be an ideal and also be subject to the demands of capitalism like how does one thing end up contorting the other. And that was really interesting to me, particularly as I had worked at this feminist lifestyle publication called The Pool for yeah. many yes, years. Yes, which we loved. Yeah, I mean we all loved it, didn't we? <sighs> yeah.
1: a sad. Sad it was incredibly folding. badly run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Never paid their invoices.
3: That's it. Yeah, oh oh my God, so Did I the I writers totally ever get paid in the end? Do we know?
1: The- no. Do you know what's
2: just even more embarrassing about that? Not only were the writers and staffers not paid, but there was like a um, a basically, a GoFundMe online for <laughs> yes, for I our unpaid invoices, and like th- this woman who like wasn't even a member of staff. She was like a literary agent who was like, "Do you want me to organize this for you? Because I'm quite worried about you, ladies." And uh, so she, that so we all got like a. She was very official about it. I think her name is Julia Kingford. We we sent in all our invoices to her. She crowdfunded on behalf of us. And then she all gave us a a proportion of what we were owed. Obviously, she didn't get the whole amount back. But it was a good amount. Did you get a good amount back? I think I got about 600 quid back and I was owed about two and a half grand. But (gasps) some people were owed like nine or ten grand. Like it was nuts. As
1: a freelancer as well. As a freelancer. Oh my God. Crazy. Yeah. That's Like, like...
2: nuts I can't like I, I, yeah. don't, I actually don't know
1: what i would do doing that's scenario. like if someone owed me that yeah. kind of money someone owed me a grand recently and I literally went ham like I, I kicked know. off
2: and you know I don't know if you feel this way but like now that I'm like in a position where I'm paying other people to do things for me like mm. paying like you know a podcast studio or yeah. all these kind of things the minute I get that invoice through I am mm. yeah, know, yeah and I hope as millennial bosses that we're we've learned that. from like oh, I'm sorry the payment system hasn't had a chance to register yet and you must send through a new invoice with email <laughs> okay so like... I must say as someone that has to put
3: in many payments every day through the telegraph it okay. is sometimes often genuinely the account's fault <laughs> like there is there is a problem with the accounts and they haven't registered or something and it's yes. not me yeah yeah, and I, told it's and I, you, yeah I, I do
2: I do sympathise with that and um, it's not your fault at all of but I've put
3: through late um, intro payments like late fee payments oh really yeah if god are, very rarely does ask, a publication we'll
2: do yeah yeah acknowledge those because often you use the late fee payment thing as a threat as a threat and then they yeah. pay you the original amount and then we just <laughs> you part Forget ways that. from there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i was very inspired by that time that we had all it was quite a quite a literal manifestation of like so many young women had put their blood sweat and tears into this company and we all got shafted It's actually <laughs> yeah. deeply ironic, actually, isn't it? It's like yeah. a female empowerment platform that just rinsed them. Yeah, not on purpose, obviously. Not that on was purpose. No, of course. And I'm I'm willing to believe that they were things outside of their control. But I also think that there are better there were better ways to handle it. Yes, I think like, don't run a
3: female platform if you can't run it. Like that's irritating.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway. well precisely <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: so i would like to know how it feels as someone who literally can't even throw away a shit article of 900 words <laughs> yeah um how do you manage to part ways with yes. seventy thousand words? how did you do that yes we got
2: off track there with me bitching about my former employers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh the yeah so i'd gotten 70k in or whatever and um I, my publishers, whose offices we're sitting in right now, they were like, you know, you're quite late with this. We do need something by May. And this was February (gasps) of 21. And, um, yeah, like... I was like I, I can't give them this and I don't want to try anymore because I've been trying and trying and trying for ages and it's just all I get is a few more thousand words of like description and no onward moving plot and no stakes and just like really drab and like I gave it to my best friend Ella Riz Bridger and she is always my first reader for everything and she's so enthusiastic and she always sees what I'm trying to do and she always drags out the best of it and says I think this is what you're interested in and then she just, she took like three weeks to get back to me and we were sitting in like a children's park by a slide. And it was like, it was almost like a breakup. It was so <laughs> weird. She was like, I have to be honest with you. I just didn't dig it. I didn't feel like it didn't really jump off the page for me. It felt like you were quite miserable writing it. And I just started crying and I was like, cause I am <laughs> miserable writing this. And but, but I was like, okay, I need, I need the money. Cause I, you, the way book publishing works, like you can't, You sign a deal, you get a proportion of the fee, and then you get another proportion when you submit the final draft. And this was COVID, there wasn't a lot of ways to earn money, you know. Um so I needed to write something and I had this note in my phone that was like, you know, novel about a young woman living with her best friend in Cork in two thousand and ten, which is what I did. Um and then, you know, he's in the closet and them sort of navigating sort of very much an indie sleaze vibe world (laughs) together and then the rest of the plot just came really quickly and it was just like a very ornate um soap opera and it all just gelled together and something about the unique pressures of like it being covid it being something that was very much based in memory and I really feel like I don't know if you guys had this in COVID where like you stood very still and there was no new memories happening. So you were obsessively processing old memories. So true. And um, yeah, like, and so and it was um, that and also the fact that this was about a very happy time in my life and it was like, it really got me out of bed every morning. I was like, yes, I get to like revisit this really fun time in my life. And also that it needed to be done in 11 weeks. Like it, it took 11 weeks
1: because it needed to be done in 11 weeks, you know? Were you doing like serious twelve hour shifts? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah,
2: and it was because it was exo- ex- also exactly the time frame that me and Dolly were recording *Sentimental in the City*. And oh God! It was actually. Oh my God!
3: How did you have time was, to do both?
2: Well, it's funny if you when you read the book, you'll see that like there's quite a few bits uh, that from *Sentimental in the City* in the book, and that's.
1: Oh, I love that. I
2: know it's kind of great because like it, now it sort of seems like me doing an Alfred Hitchcock, like me writing myself in and we can yeah very meta, <laughs> but then it was like. We were just like, you know, that that sort of catchphrase we came up with that was like very a play. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which like we were we had been saying that for months before we were saying it on the podcast. And I thought it was so funny that I made a like, private joke between the two characters in this oh. thing. And also if if no one listened to that podcast, they'd be like, Why what? What? What, what is very a play? Um, and then it just like I just thought it was a funny cause you do that as a novelist. You take jokes from your life and you put them into the thing, and now it's become it's like people I meet in the world who I've never met, they just go like, ah, there you play. (laughs) And it's like, very cool. I really like it. They're like in on the joke. Yeah, and that's very rare that you can do that with a piece of fiction, that you can include people in on the joke from day one, you know?
3: So can we just, one minute of nerding for a second, for fellow nerds, but like literally how many words were you writing a day? I can't even, you must have been just writing all day. From like dawn.
2: No, do you know, I think the first draft was you know 60 or 70,000 words it was only it was like a, three or four thousand words a day but it was every day um and that is a lot it was a lot but I was really energized by it and there was nothing else to do <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> yeah and so it was just like I would write all day and then I would either watch Jackson City in the evening or I would talk about it with Dolly in the evening and that was like my whole life it was like kind of I don't know Sounds is It was quite dreamy actually it was the yeah. it was the worst part of lockdown because remember it was like the horrible weather and like Christmas had just been cancelled and everyone was so miserable and sad. Um, but it was also kind of a very monastic time. It felt I felt like <laughs> I was like illuminating a manuscript in yeah. my tower in the 15th century, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you literally feel, yeah, with that with an idea like that when it happens so fast, did you have that like typically stereotypical novelist thing of like the words just flow through me? It's just all coming out. For the first time ever, yeah. yeah. And this is like my sixth
2: novel as well. <laughs> so it's like I feel like y- they, you get thrown a freebie by the universe every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> like the other ones are just like mulish work. And then every now and then the word the, the gods of writing go like you've earned an easy ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm having a really easy ride with this. It's weird because like I wrote it really quickly. I have a lot of fun writing it like you know, a publisher from America like snapped it up right away the movie rights got snapped up right away it's getting great reviews i'm having a Amazing. great time it's like oh i'm God. like but i cheers know to that. thanks very yeah, much cheers. clink cosmos clink okay. clink um, let's hope
3: that there is not something bad around the corner Touch no yours. but
2: like that's the thing i i know that like i hope i'm still doing this job when I'm like Margaret Atwood's age, and it's not always going to be like this. Like, there's going to be really difficult novels, there's going to be commercial failures, there's going to be critical failures, there's going to be like, oh no, I said something insensitive and now I'm cancelled with the community I had never even like thought I could you know, offend or something. But like, so you have to just appreciate things when they're going yeah. well. And I've spent a lot of time of my life not enjoying the moment because I thought that it would tempt bad fate, you know? Interesting. Do you like that at all?
1: I mean, ugh, I'm not... I don't know. One thing I do have is that I'm not very good with excitement. So like, I I very rarely actually genuinely feel excited. So you'll say like, oh, I'm so excited for like this thing. But like, it's actually really unusual that I genuinely have that feeling Mm. like of like.
2: (laughs) It's really hard to not. I think it's because we're living in such an anxiety age to not convert excitement immediately into anxiety.
1: Yeah. Yes, and they are the same I kind of physical right. feeling, aren't they? Like they are. those little yeah. neuro tricks is supposed to be when you feel anxious or nervous about something. And like, yeah. I'm actually really excited about this. It's
2: all just adrenaline, yeah. isn't it? And like, yeah, Gav always says this to me whenever I'm like nervous before publication week. He's like, what if you were just excited?
1: That's a trick yeah. you right. gave me,
3: which really helps yeah. When I did a talk the other day. Just like reframe months. it in your yeah, head. Yeah, reframe it. Because yeah. you must
1: spend so much of your working life like on your own. That's actually something I'm yeah. struggling with a bit, having become mm. a freelancer, just mm. because I hadn't thought about how much you get from just communicating with other people that aren't even necessarily like close colleagues or friends, but just mm. those daily interactions that I now like don't have. Yeah. Have you found that you've got to like build that into well, your day or well, do you this like being is alone? Why, that's why I got a podcast.
2: Mm. I assume that's why you kind of a podcast, <laughs> podcast as well. Is that like when I went freelance full time in 2018 and, um, yeah I found the loneliness of it really crushing And I was like I need an excuse to go out And meet people and like get out of my comfort zone And all that and that's where the podcast came from And now I'm doing a bit more um, script writing And that's way more collaborative And I thought I was looking forward to that I, I, I'm really enjoying it but like I forgot how much becoming a novelist has made me a control freak as well where it's (laughs) like you have to listen to other people's ideas and it's like no
3: (laughs) so script writing are you already working on Rachel Incident
2: yeah I'm working on the Rachel Incident and
3: are you are they have you got a writer's room like do they what's the deal with that do they do you write the whole thing or do you have so I've um, to co-write it
2: uh, it was yeah, I am um, just me at the moment, but amazing. if it gets greenlit, so it's in production, so okay. it's not officially been greenlit, but when it does, I hope there will be a little bit of a writer's room,
0: yeah.
3: How exciting. Have you, you've yeah.
2: been in writer's rooms before? Weirdly, I appear to have skipped that step. What? It's very <laughs> jammy. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I don't know how it's happened, and I, but I think it's possibly, uh, you know, maybe this is the uh, wonder of podcasts because I do so much cultural analysis on the podcast, I had quite a few people reach out and be like, oh, do you want to write an episode of this Ooh, or come in for fun. a meeting about that? And so weirdly, I've gotten like, people have, like, you listen to me dissect a movie or a TV show and be like, oh, it seems like you have a good handle on story structure. And then they seek out my books and then we have meetings and it's, it's all going so well. I haven't actually had anything committed to screen yet. So I've just, like, done lots of scripts Because I things. did
3: go and have a little stalk of your IMDb. Yeah. I did see The Better Man
2: oh my god from
3: 2013 and then yeah. I won and then there was nothing after that so I was
2: like oh god was it oh god did you No, did that you, it's that's so funny that was like um god I've never been asked about that it's so funny
3: <laughs> well <laughs> um, welcome to two journalists in yeah India.
2: yeah no me and my um me and my friends we made a movie uh I mean I say we it was very much them and I was um brought on to be kind of a a Script doctor You're kind a of writer thing. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. It was like, you know how you found out after Carrie Fisher died that she like rewrote everything. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, so it was, yeah, my, my pals, when I first moved here, I became friends with them, and they were just this gang of like, and I'm still friends with them, but them still this boy writers who were, they were all trying to be the next like Kevin Smith or whatever. And I'm I'm sure they still will be, but like they uh wrote this script about a man a boy who gets engaged right out of school and his friends throwing a stag do for him and being like, this is really weird. And then they got the script and they realized they were like, Oh, I, all the women aren't people. <laughs> and it was just at this advent in like when, when, when that feminism sort of that period that we were all so excited about was really revving up and they were quite mindful that all the women were quite badly written. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of found me even though we didn't really know each other very well and I sort of rewrote the entire script (laughs) and then we became really good friends we got through it so it was like a very standalone project it got got a few awards and things
3: yeah it looked good yeah
2: thanks yeah
3: what I could see I'm sure it
2: holds up okay I haven't seen it in years but uh yeah that was a a interesting project but uh now yeah it's uh, this kind of screenwriting arm of my career now it's uh yeah, it's all just scripts still. Nothing's actually been produced yet. So I don't really know how well, good I am at it yet. I guess we
3: are in the midst of a writer's strike and everything's yeah. on hold. That's a me?
2: real pain in the ice. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, Growing up, did you always want to be a writer?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think it's interesting. I think like people who are writers, they're either have something incredible to say or they have been narrowed into a corner by their own lack of gifts elsewhere. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> okay. in my case. Do you know, yeah. what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like, like I'm not, I'm uh, very badly organized, not very numerically, illiter- like, like, like I kind of had to count on my fingers still, mm. um, <laughs> very uncoordinated, very bad at reaching, like, all the classic. Sounds quite familiar song, for both yeah, of us. I'm surprised yeah. I like know my
1: left and right. That's I literally sometimes bad. do that. I'm joking. Like totally, yeah, <laughs> I doing the do thumb on the forefinger. Just, hand. Hand. just, yeah, just yeah, to yeah. double check this. Uh.
2: <laughs> Yeah. And, um, but then it being like, and really bad at school and just failing everything or whatever, but, this, but writing being the only thing that I could do. And I just sort of followed that to its natural nth degree. And I actually, I meet a lot of people who are wanna be writers or whatever. And particularly because I talk to a lot of teenagers and, uh, a lot of them say like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in writing and I'm interested in drama and I'm interested in science and I'm interested in all these things. Um, but I think I'd like to write a book one day. And in my head, I'm like, never going to fucking happen. Yeah. You- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I never say out loud. Yeah. That's I great. But I it's so rare for good old, ra- good old rounders to actually That's commit a to a project point. like That's that. That's a very good point. Do you think? Yeah. I don't yes. know. Maybe I'm
1: wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you're right. Have you felt always that you have something to say? If you know what I mean? Because that's definitely something that I've struggled with a little bit in journalism. Some journalists are yeah. so able to like really embrace like having a voice, like you're saying. Whereas sometimes yeah. I've always felt like why does what I think matter? Or like why is my voice more important than anyone else's? Mm. Yeah. Is like, probably not an ideal mindset for a journalist, but
2: totally it's something I've noticed. Um I yeah, I um it's interesting because we must do, we must on yeah. some level think that our opinions are incredibly important yeah. <laughs> because like why else would I plug my entire life into... Yeah. A, into printing pages of your own... Pages and thing. pages yeah. of yeah. my yeah. own thoughts and also hundreds of hours of my own thoughts on things no one cares about. <laughs> like, like you know, it's it's um, it is interesting to be like, yeah, it's weird because I consider myself intellectually very insecure, as I just said. Yeah. You know, And I think it's a from some kind of a background of, of not being a great performer or whatever, um, in school. Um, and I would get like, for example, if like you ever, I ever hear from like, as you know, as a journalist, like you write a piece about something or other, and then somebody, a a radio show, for example, will reach out to you and be like, do you want to come on and debate this with so-and-so? And And I would always be like, no, I don't, Mm. I'm not sure of my own thoughts at all. And I'm so afraid that my mind could be changed and that it would be (laughs) changed humiliatingly on, on, yeah, yeah. Which is actually a good whatever. thing,
3: but it doesn't sound good. On, it doesn't make good yeah. debate. It doesn't make but radio. Radio.
2: Yeah, totally. I remember I said yes to that once. I really learned my lesson. It was just an anodyne topic. It was like, I had written some like very fluffy piece about like why I loved going to an all-girls school. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're that era of journalism where it was like, in defense of cardigans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a real gold rush. Um, but... <clears throat> i written something like that. And then this radio DJ, producer kind of rang me up being like, right, we're doing a, a segment on this girl's schools versus mixed schools. Come on or whatever. And I was like, grand, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share some fond memories of my girl's school. And then it was like immediately so intense. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it was like, neurologically, people say that, you know, mixed schools are better for this. And I was like, I don't actually don't care. Just <laughs> <my> <laughs> I'm just a fun gal having some thoughts. I don't really mind I don't oh really God, want to convince yes. anyone and, and you only make that mistake once I think
1: yeah. I actually didn't want to die on this hill but No uh, exactly
2: You're yeah. like I really didn't want to die
1: on this hill I don't care I don't want to be like The number one spokesperson For single sex education Yeah Somehow yeah. I am
2: What an what a incredible thing To be the yeah. spokesperson for <laughs> But then I, I've i done so many events now And when I first started I'm sure you're the same But like when I first started off Doing panels or talks Or workshops or whatever I would like swat for like days and days And on the train down I'd be going over the notes obsessively, and now increasingly, I'm like, I don't really need to look at my notes that mm. much. And then it's like, eh, I think I'll go out the night before. And yeah. like, how, where if you yes. do that job for 40 years, how how slim does your sort of like faith in yourself become? Do you what I mean like, or actually. how until you yeah. have a shocker? Until you know. have a fucking and shocker. I remember the answer to your earlier question, by the way, about when was last time I was shit faced. Go on, <laughs> oh, yeah, on. it was last week. And uh, <laughs> and do you know what, I, I, I struggled for a minute answering your question because I tend to be the person who just like. I'm a much better stoner than I am a drinker and that I tend to like have a few pints or a few drinks and then I get a bit sleepy and then I switch mm. to water because I don't, I don't get like mad. I just get a bit tired. Um, But I was having, I had a, like a liquid lunch with Emma J. Nunsworth and Dolly Alderton.
1: <laughs> and
2: we were in the French house and we got a bottle of champagne and then another bottle of champagne <laughs> and we were celebrating something. And then we went to this members only club I was like, oh, this is what it's all about. This is why you become an author so you can sit in the middle of the day and you can drink with other authors. And I was so wrecked. Literally, your choreographical kind of moment. Yeah. And like, you only have those moments like a couple of yeah. times a year, really, where you <laughs> yeah. just like, look at us, we're all fabulous and we're all doing it. Yeah. And we're like smoking like one fag off the other or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. This is what this it's is all about. And then uh, in the members club that we were in, Virago, who are my publishers, who are turning 50 this year and they have a string of events celebrating their...
3: We just ate one of their 50th celebration. I
2: know, favorites. yeah. One of them has a fanny on it. Oh. <laughs> um, oh yes, we haven't eaten that one. Yes, I think we know why. <laughs> um, but they were they were like... Um, holding an event in one of the spaces or whatever and it came out into the garden and like this like the sunshine was beating down no one had a speck of water in five hours like I was like teetering whatever and then my publicist Grace comes over and she's like hello <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like I felt like a kid who was caught by their parents. Was it immediately kind of
3: obvious that you were oh yeah to the wind.
2: totally and also I was like also doing that thing of like Obviously, you get event, you get invited to a lot of events, and you can't go to them all. You can't go to all the panels or whatever, and so thinking like, oh god, there must have been a point where I was invited to this. And as a speaker I, <laughs> yeah. may, Maybe yes. Who knows Maybe as, uh, Or I even just like, a no. guest member And I must have said no Or I might have said no And now I'm but here you're busy <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy Because I'm like how, I probably wrote something Like if they even asked me Maybe they did I have no idea I, I can't check I'm too ashamed Of yeah. being like Hi guys You know um, Press for the Rachel And has been really intense uh, And I really need some downtime <laughs> da, da, da. And like <laughs> Now I'm just like In this members club Like Hello <laughs>
1: i was like, I am with other writers. This was technically work adjacent. That's what's going on my tax yeah. anyway <laughs> uh,
3: so did, did you then have to make small talk with people at the other party or was it did you just Do you know, yeah
2: luckily, I've been at this publishers for years, so it's i've been i've I've known them since i was twenty four you know so it's great. It's fine. It's, it's okay. It was fine. And then, and like I'm really close with my editor in my it was, it was they, they thought it was really funny and it was great. But then at one point, then Emma left and then eventually Dolly had to leave and I was just me sort of oh, like no. tanked up sitting there being like, well, I do know people here. And then I just sort of like <laughs> teetered in my massive shoes because obviously I got dressed up to see friends or whatever. Teetered into the space where they were having the event and it was such an earnest and sincere chat about like the state of modern you know feminism and <laughs> activism oh, and i just clamped in and like plopped down <laughs> i was so embarrassed but i also know very I was
3: modern feminist very indeed. it was not good i feel well, re-
2: i know grace will be listening to this now and i'm so sorry yeah, grace. this is your time
3: to apologize
2: yeah. i'm really sorry to grace and to my publishers but for talking who of
3: glamorous events we do yeah. like to ask what has been the most surreal
2: showbiz event that you've ever attended do you know what it's gonna to be tonight, I think. <gasps> Ooh, what is it? I can't tell you who, but I'm meeting a movie star tonight.
3: For your for the Rachel Incident adaptation.
2: Yeah. <gasps> Ooh. Are you gonna wine and dine them? Well, it's like I think it's gonna be a really quick meeting. It's gonna be like a hey, hey, how's it going? How's it going? I, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be that. Wine but I can't dine. think about anything else. Who are they playing the in the book? Alright, I'm just gonna tell you who it is. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah. um so it's like i'm meeting elliot page tonight oh, oh my god it's gonna be so embarrassing if he like cancels because he probably will because he's the busiest man in the world yes. but his production company bought the rights to the rachel incident oh. and so he's not playing anyone but he is a producer oh and even though i've been dealing with they're an amazing company they make loads of great stuff but like i haven't actually met him yet <gasps> and i'm meeting him tonight and Have i'm you like, read his
1: memoir? Yes. Oh my goodness. That's really exciting. How do you prep for like a big showbiz meeting then? Will you have your outfit ready? It's like. Do you come in like, hello, I am the. Well, I'm really para because he's really short. And
2: I'm like, (laughs) I would generally wear heels to a thing like this, but I don't want to like. What, a full, what a yeah. and, it's, and I'm really hot, yeah. and
1: then like his in the his head in my armpits. I like, had to refuse a handshake when we met earlier on that principle that my yes, hands are exactly. very clammy. So. And like
2: he's really cool and Canadian, yeah. and like do I wear like a, a dress? Because we're going to be meeting in the context of a very nice event. Like do I wear Ooh. like a dress or whatever, or just be like
1: casual, casual, maybe casual. a jumpsuit. Maybe you jump Yeah, suit. that's your go-to for a yeah. smart occasion. Do you know what? I've never embraced the jumpsuit myself. It's very good. I find them a little tricky. It
3: also means you well. can sit down at any moment. I think... On the floor.
2: They're so dependent on the vagaries of proportions, aren't they? Because you could just... If you, mm. if you if you if you got a long middle or something, yes. you can get that seam up your that's That and- happens to me quite <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> never wear them. So, yeah. And so because I'm planning a wedding as well, so mm. many people have said, "Are you going to have like a white jumpsuit oh, that yeah. you change into? You it's like a yeah. bride. Oh,
3: chazzy bride, bride. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, are you just going to have a little a little um, mini mini dress instead?
1: yeah well who knows yeah i mean for the change, I i'm mean. not gonna the do change. an outfit change i've already Are made my decision oh no
3: well that's because your dress is too stunning well i haven't
1: even got a dress yet but i have a i have a dream dress but i'm like oh yeah what is it it's vivian westwood oh my god So I'm like, i know get i don't know i don't know but i'm like if i did wear that then mm. like hell i'm only wearing it for like four hours you, you must know? get it. it it is the best thing um, i've ever seen on you but i don't know i just think an outfit change is just too much to commit to when you're already worrying yeah. about everything else
2: yeah. yeah i'm still wondering about mm. the outfit change as well um,
3: I think it's more just to preserve the dress because every wedding I've been to, the bride mm. has been completely incoherent about 2 a.m. That's yeah. it, so yeah. But the, the dress is going to need
1: dry cleaning anyway, you know? So yeah. So
3: even though she did an outfit change, one bride has to have it all cut off because the hem is so dirty because she went
1: to an Edinburgh uh, nightclub
3: afterwards, which
2: is iconic. That is cool, mm-hmm. So
3: tonight will be your most glamorous moment. How exciting. Mm-hmm.
2: I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other moments because I'm sure there has been some. <laughs> some parties when you're like, what the hell am I doing here? What the hell am I doing here? Yeah. Oh, I, oh actually, I do remember one. Me and Gav, we went to the Letters of Note after party. Um. And, and it was yeah. at the Royal Albert Hall. And the reason we were there is very sweet. It was because Dolly was doing a reading of one of the things and she invited us as her plus ones. Oh. Mom and Dad.
3: <laughs> so uh, is Gav your partner?
2: He is, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: The one you've been with for many years.
2: Yes, many years. Because I
3: wrote on our notes, like, I think they've been together for nine
2: years, but that's, that's correct, yeah. Nine up. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, we both went to that and then we went to the after party afterwards and like I remember I got around in and I looked behind me and I was like, Oh my god, that's Robert Pattinson. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah.
1: Was he with
3: Suki Waterhouse? Yes, he was. <gasps> oh
2: well, god, I didn't know better. that was the time. I was just like small blonde woman. Mm. And uh yeah, like there were so many Did he have the strange there. hair? Yeah.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, I gotta say <laughs> it just looks like it's yeah. He's never been washed. It's never
2: been washed. Well, he sort of looked like a kind of, if you were going as a Halloween costume, as a sort of a celebrity incognito, that's what yeah. he looked like. He was like a baseball cap indoors kind of thing. Oh.
1: Yeah. But,
2: you know, I see... That's very I'm sure DiCaprio, actually. Yeah, I'm sure he's very nice. Yeah.
1: So how do you feel about being like visible in the public mm. eye? Because forgive the assumption, I could be wrong, but yeah. I feel your brand is quite more like, as you say, you do panels and things, but you are first yeah. and foremost like a writer. Yeah. Rather than a kind of literary influencer, ah, let's say. Yes. Well I don't know, I feel like you're in the business of writing rather than yeah. making lots of reels about your holidays and things, you know? <laughs> um not to say that there's anything wrong with that at all. I wish as yeah. a writer, I know I need to like step up my social media game and that it can be yeah. like very valuable. But equally obviously writers are writers and it yeah. can be quite tricky to have to have a social media brand on top mm. of that. Have you made the kind of conscious choice to not have too much of a. I'm actually. Public I'm, brand I'm really or, curious about yeah. how it all comes across to you because I
2: am so. I'm really fluctuating with it all the time. I've, I feel like my relationship with it, particularly right now. Yes. is um, changing a lot well, I saw. I Instagram. thought you deleted your Instagram yeah. but then no. I saw that in
1: fact you'd had it taken down or something yes Taylor Swift took it away right <laughs> because of the midnight
2: no I just decided that she did um, yeah. because we, we me and my friend Jen did a podcast about midnights yeah. we actually did two and uh, then very quickly afterwards my Instagram was deleted by Instagram oh. they were like you're impersonating a public figure wow and we were like Taylor didn't like it and she's so powerful she can get rid of anybody <gasps> interesting <laughs> so I, yeah. I like putting that urban myth out in there okay I
1: love so, that myth yes yeah, so I so my perception is just mm. that you're not necessarily the kind of, like, writer who is first and foremost concerned with your online image. Yeah. You're more about actually writing six books. <laughs> um, yeah. Which it's, is it's, quite the achievement. It's funny because um, uh, cause I, I was always someone,
2: I'm always someone who, like, really enjoyed social mm. media. Like, even when I was, like, a really young teenager, I don't know if you guys are the same, mm. I was, like, going on forums and chat rooms mm. and, like the essential romance of the internet is still so sexy to mm. me. The idea that you can like, you know, put a message in a bottle out and then anybody could see it. Um, and I've always been a good at it as well. You know, when yeah. I was posting on forums back in the day, I had like 11,000 posts and I was like a member of the community, yes. you know? And yeah. then, then I got onto Twitter and I think as well, because I moved here in 2011 and I had, I knew nobody and I just, all I wanted to do was write. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it certainly felt this way to me at the time that, like, everybody who got the jobs that I wanted, they they grew up in London, they Mm. were from a very specific network of schools or whatever. And not even, like...
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
2: just, it seemed like everybody had gone to the same three or four universities and they all know
1: each other. And they all know each other. Journalism can be quite cliquey like that. I think.
2: Yeah. And they had all done the same MMAs yes, or whatever. And, um, it felt really like there was no space at all. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who were unconnected or from somewhere else and all the experience that I had, which was like writing for my local paper back in Cork, which I thought, I thought my portfolio was really strong. Like I was like, look, I did this like profile of this rock band when I was 19 or whatever. Like I did all this stuff and like it counted for nothing. And I think that was, because especially then, the London media scene was so inward looking. It didn't really, it didn't really matter that you wrote somewhere else because it was all about here and now. And the only way you could get in was unpaid internships and I couldn't afford to do more than one of those. And, um, so Twitter was this like access point for like, it's like, for some reason, whatever about the human brain, we've, our brains are only evolved to be big enough to like have the size of a village in our heads. The tribe. The tribe, Mm. exactly. And you can only really fit 300 people in your head at once, (laughs) you know? And so somebody like emailing you being like, you know, dear thingy, here's my pitch and here's a writing sample. It won't go as far as like, oh, I know this girl's name from Twitter. Yeah. And that became my in for everything. And like I owe my whole career to Twitter. And so it comes from it naturally to me. And now I use Instagram a lot, but like, I, it's it sort of changed. I've always had this like kind of quite fine relationship with mm. it. But now it's weird because people um, sort of built this relationship with me, which is really lovely during the pandemic. Um, because those podcasts yeah. um, that I did with Dolly, I'm so, I'm so like proud of them. I'm so proud of like my tiny contribution to like pandemic art do yeah. you know what I mean yes. it's like I'm me and like the queen's gambit do you know what yeah, me? I mean like know. or whatever and uh uh it's so amazing that people were like at such a vulnerable point in their lives mm-hmm. and it's like yes it, it, was it was about sex in the city and because everybody nobody everybody was traumatized to watch mm-hmm. something new so they were yeah. just re-watching old stuff and like I got so many messages from people mainly women who were like I literally have been in the hospital all week in the waiting room while my father dies. And like, this is, I'm just popping this in my ears because it's too stressful to talk Aww. to my own friends. But like, have, just hearing just two women nattering, you know, as I'm sure you hear all the time from yeah. your listeners, that like, just the simple act of nattering is like... Being silly. And, being yeah. silly, exactly. Um, and so then, I, then so I, I came out of lockdown with a different kind of a profile than what I went into it with. And so, like, I have much more people come up to me in the street now, and like, it's very cool.
3: What, so, how often do you get, say, like, approached on a monthly basis?
2: Like, it's like, I mean, it's it's quite a bit at the moment because I'm doing out press, and I feel like people have a better idea of my what my face looks like or something. But I think that will it comes in waves. Like sometimes it'll be like three times in a night. Oh my gosh, I know, which I think is crazy. But then, like, if you walk down the street with Dolly, like, you can't walk twenty paces wow. without somebody coming up to her.
1: I have to say I would recognise you if I walked past you in the street. Do you I think? Would, yeah, a hundred percent. I'd be like, Oh my god, that's yeah. Caroline. Oh, I would. So well, that's nice. Yeah. But I still rem- I still think of things that you guys talked about in the podcast. One point that I brought up to you and that I've thought of loads is when you mentioned I hope you don't mind me talking about it on air mm. if you do, we can cut it out. Um, your kind of I guess relationship with whether you wanted to have children be child yeah. free by choice. And I remembered really significantly you saying about thinking that perhaps you didn't want children, you and your partner mm. and then after a particularly brilliant like professional success you mm. were said oh and then you sort of get up the next day yeah. and you've got to get your flat white get your laptop out and it's yeah. like back on the grind and so it's like yeah. a different kind of achievement perhaps or it reframed your like understanding of maybe what having kids would do I don't know I just always thought that was like such a fascinating that, point yeah. that you made and I've thought wow. about it like for like two years since you said wow. that do you yeah. think
2: about it vis-a-vis your own well
1: I definitely want to have kids yeah I'm 32 this year but I don't want them yet. And I've been with my partner Mm. for like 10 years. We're getting married next year. So like on paper, we should be like totally ready to have kids. But I'm just not at
2: all. We're the same. And I always
1: thought growing up that I was like 100% that girl that would like be like so mothering and really want children. And now that Mm. I'm actually like at that place in life, I'm like, actually like, I kind of like my life how it is. And I can really recognize all these other amazing things that give you like so much value and purpose i don't know it's just really reframed as i got older my perception of yeah. motherhood has changed so I, that-
2: I was very of the opinion for a long time that i didn't want kids and i think it's quite that's quite normal isn't yeah. it like it's quite normal when you're in your 20s and like entirely you only want to think about yourself every single day forever yeah <laughs> and, like um of course it's you know you don't want to and then like the, the older i get the more i'm like oh i definitely do want that but also like if somebody And I I don't want to like trigger anyone or talk about, Mm. you know, obviously fertility is a very elastic thing and a very troubling thing. But like, if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, you could have your first child at the age of 38 and your second child at the age of 40, and you would be fine. And like, you will have the ovaries of a 16 year old then. And like that, that would be like, Oh, phew. Okay. I'll see you when I'm 38. So do you know what I mean? But I I don't think, you know, you do run a risk of Mm. things being very difficult Mm. down the line if you do that. Um, But I, yeah, I, I think about that a lot of like, yes if you have a child your life will get infinitely harder like you blah blah. blah like you know, we all know that like this thing will rely on you for everything all the time for years um but part of you also has to think well life is supposed to be hard like mm. it's not supposed to be easy and like the people who i know who have the easiest lives are also the most depressed you know what i mean mm. so
3: Interesting. yes actually i would agree with that
2: yeah they are the most you know I'm not saying that you have to have children in order to make your life hard. But I think I definitely know people who have removed very carefully every sort of boulder or hill or a bit of gravel that might make them unhappy down the line. Whether it's like refusing to commit to another person, refusing to sort of commit to a career path or refu- just a, a refusing of commit, commitment in general. Um, and they don't, they aren't very happy. I don't envy their lives. Because everything is flat. Because it does feel
3: flat, mm. you know? and they, you need the peaks and troughs to even have a relative understanding of what happiness is. Yeah,
2: mm. yeah. Like, and you know, you, you, like, I thought that was done. Did you see that show, Fleischman is in Trouble? Yes, loved
3: I it. I loved it. I thought really it was so it. well done. I read done. the book, but I was so put off by the reviews. Yeah, you didn't like,
1: because I watched the whole thing and I loved it. Yeah. But you yeah. weren't sure. Well, I just never watched it because watch I'm, I'm
3: one of those annoying journalists that takes reviews really seriously, even though oh, they're always... Right completely divergent.
1: even though of we often disagree with reviews even though we do yeah,
2: yeah i take the reviews of people i hate very seriously like there's <laughs> yeah. a few book reviewers out there who not not because they've reviewed me badly but i just always think they're wrong and i love reading them being wrong and then buying the book yeah <laughs> 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 um but uh yeah there was a scene there was a whole thing in um that who's the who's the hot character that was in the oc
0: Adam Brody's character Seth was his character which
2: is also the name of his character in the shit yeah um but you know uh the Fleischman character he has an amazing night out with Seth and it's like they end up like at a legal boxing match at three in the morning and they wake up and they walk through the city and they buy a loaf of bread from the guys who are delivering the van and then they go home and Fleischman is like oh my god we were like kings of the night it was incredible and like the seth character is like yeah that's kind of like he's so unmoved by the night he just had it's a very normal thing for him and it has also doesn't mean anything anymore and he's like i'm just the person that people go to to have nights like that and it's actually very hollow you know that's really sad i know we just have to say that like fun sucks because I do yeah. like
3: fun. <laughs> so, talking of another fun thing that we know you love Sex in the City. Yes. Which, when this comes out, the first episode. I can't episode believe will have you guys have seen
2: it and I haven't. I feel. Yeah, I know.
1: Well, I feel bad now because like the then he was like, oh, shall I ask Caroline's PR about. Screeners and I was like, oh, she'll definitely have yeah, them. I just I can't believe we words. could be
2: sitting here talking about it and we're not. Well, oh I also, God. I
3: was also a bit nervous to ask in case it looked like we were trying to like pip your
2: podcast to the post. Oh, Cannibalize. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> Sentimental if she's watching, she's watching. No, definitely not because I think well, me and Dali will definitely do a sort of review podcast of it, but it will probably be six months after it comes out. So <laughs>
3: okay, well, maybe just more generally, how obsessed are you with Sex and City? Like, on just on a personal level, that when you're not preparing for the the podcast necessarily, like, do you feel like you're thinking about the characters? Oh my all god, the do time! You know what?
2: I watched an episode the other day for the first time since we did that big recap yeah. kind of thing and it was weird because I was talking to Dolly about it as well and she was like I've started watching it again as well oh Ooh. have you yeah I was writing a piece and I, I needed a quote and I just like got up because I have them all on my Amazon Prime yeah. and I just got up the episode, and I was like okay just I just need what that exact quote was and then I just was and like sat there watching the whole thing it's so good it's still so good. it's so unmatched I watched
3: it for the first time in I can't remember what year it was 20 tw- uh, it was when I did my year abroad. So I was like 21 yeah. and that was the first time I'd ever watched it. And I was so depressed in France with no mm. friends and it became like almost unstable. Like me thinking they were my real friends in like a country where I didn't have any. Yeah. So it's become like quite, per- yeah, it's always, I think it's very personal yeah. about
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your okay. favorite character? I know you will have talked about this before, but
2: my favorite, as in like of the four girls or yes.
1: in general of all the whole franchise.
2: Ooh. Oh my God.
1: Both um oh god i love a bit of anthony if we're talking about the wider universe i love anthony oh my god
2: dali bought me a cameo from him at one point
3: oh my <laughs> god i love that how much does this cameo? it was
2: nuts i think it was like 70 quid okay <laughs> um which you know it's not bad it's a lot it's a lot i remember it's at one right? point
3: looking up he was the most highest paid um person on cameo it's not who you'd expect it's like one of those like yeah. not that famous but cult Wow. Figures,
2: yeah I, Annoying. I i do love bunny mcdougall i think yes. she's amazing. oh my god bunny. bunny oh my god and sometimes she shows eye. up in things as well i think she's <laughs> the actress is dead now But you, it's, it's incredible it's, she's always bunny mcdougall you yeah. know um i got really deep into it the other day or not today but recently of like do you ever watch the gilmore girls I No. Know. Uh, i found it I, I tried to and it was just too cheesy for me it's so cheesy to I be fair i couldn't cope yeah but I just got into a whole sort of personal fan fiction about the characters. <laughs> yeah. The characters knowing <laughs> each nice. other.
1: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I started re-watching Desperate Housewives last night and oh it was like oh, wow. a kind of whack over the head. I was like, oh my God, I know these characters so well. Like I just haven't thought yeah. about the individual housewives for such a long time. And then watching it again, I was like, whoa,
2: Susan and Lynette. Yeah, yeah. And like, it mm-hmm. was such a mental mm-hmm. show tonally speaking, wasn't it? <laughs> Very strange. It was like strange. so camp and weird. And like, it was like a soap opera run through like, some kind of weird crazy neon filter you know like slight like
1: 50s adjacent but also in the modern day it was very
2: strange oh my god the choco that desperate house has has us all in do you know actually i I was um researching something recently for a short story i wrote about porn and uh i was writing from the perspective of a uh porn star a porn actor they're not all stars um but the the I had read. I was reading loads of memoirs written by porn stars, and one of them talked about how *Desperate Housewives* changed porn forever. Oh, interesting! Because why is that? It, the term sort of MILF became popular oh. because of the Ava Langoria character. That oh. is so interesting. It entered the sort of the culture for the first time, and then after that, MILF porn became this yeah. huge category, and it never went away. That is really and Evie interesting. Yeah,
3: also very. Evie. Evie.
1: Oh, Edie oh Edie yes Edie she was Edie a- the was blonde oh Edie Hannah. No, was it was like someone famous she's that really famous like bombshell yeah. actress yes and she
2: was also in Killed Bill I've forgotten her name now no it's not Daryl Hannah but mm. somebody else and I can't I feel like she's name. kind of the
3: archetypal MILF in like a teen boy's brain and so like blonde like yeah. enormous tits and exactly
2: paid up to the but she's, like, she's also like she's very a porny MILF yeah right? she's a porny like, MILF
1: yeah. yeah and she actually had no kids in the show yeah. she's like the resident single lady I actually quite liked her god she died a sad death didn't she She does. I think we can get away with those
3: spoilers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so favourite of the four Sex and the City original gals. Who's your favourite of the four original Sex and the City gals? Do you Uh, have an affinity to?
2: Yes. Do you know what? I still feel so defensive of Carrie all the time. Mm. I feel like she gets such a hard ride by culture. I think it's just such a well-played, brilliant role. She's
1: really good at it. I will say... yeah. I do love her as well. I know that people find her really annoying and yeah. self-obsessed or whatever. And you're like, well, obviously she's the narrator. Mm. But watching the new episodes of And Just Like That, I was like, gosh, they really are trying to make the point that Carrie drops one-liners constantly. Like so right. many quips oh like I feel yes. that they've amped up that a little bit because oh, they're like That's really? carried oh, carried. No. literally everything she says is like a funny aside yeah uh, it's because yeah. she's got a podcast oh, that can be a bit
2: much <laughs> I always find it oh how's the podcast going well she's
1: shagging the producer okay Aaron she's pretty upset about the scripts that she's got to read she's like wanting to not do you mind a spoiler here I'm wondering if your audience
2: will, but go on. No,
1: they'll both be out when this drops because it's out next Thursday. Okay. Um, She, yeah, she's not loving writing scripts for the podcast, for the advertising piece. She feels editorially compromised occasionally. Oh, for fuck's sake. That is peak, Carrie Bradshaw.
2: (laughs) Like, remember when she, like, it took her two weeks to write a 500 word piece about banks? Oh, no.
1: And then, and she got so offended that they gave her edits (laughs) that was like marks on the paper.
2: Totally. And then she was assaulted. (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) Well, yes <laughs> oh yes that was the same episode we don't talk about that enough. no that was unfortunate mm.
3: assuming i thought you might have watched the episode so i did have a note in my doc in my doc saying ask caroline about what she thought of the pickup line to nia i say her name nia. nia sorry dr yeah. nia wallace dr oh, nia gets picked up at a bar Okay. by a very handsome man and it's literally so smooth and I'm just gonna ask you whether how how your boyfriend and you met and whether you've ever been the lucky recipient of a actually good pickup line
2: oh um yeah it was, it's, we so we met because we it was, it was quite quite a, a scandal at the time oh my gosh. <laughs> um, we met um working in advertising um he was the designer and I was the copywriter on Lemsip ads <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh wow um and uh i had a boyfriend at the time Ooh. and uh i get his kind of side job at the agency was that he was a photographer as well so he used to take all the pictures for the staff ids and um i had to go up to the, his little dark studio room and sit on the stool and like i saw him and i just thought he's the fittest man i've ever seen <laughs> is this why illicit relationships
1: play so heavily in your fiction Possibly, yeah. <laughs>
2: so possibly so, um, and then we he kind of we realized you know quickly that like it wasn't going to happen because I had a boyfriend. Was and there I, an immediate spark?
3: Yeah, like it was from the moment he took your picture.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think as well, I think um, you know and what was cute as well because I went back to my desk. And then he called me on my desk phone, and he was like, "Oh, sorry, is that Caroline? You know, you—I've you, actually erased the card or whatever. You have, <gasps> you have to come back up at the end of the day." Was that Brilliant. a lie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. And he was going to ask me out, and then I talked. Well, he was taking my photo again about my boyfriend. Oh. I think possibly because I thought it was headed that way. Because we were just so—we were just two people who just wanted to fuck. It was like just <gasps> instantly. It was like I've never experienced it with anybody else in my that life.
3: So. Fun. And now but you're yeah. getting married this year. Yeah.
2: No, I know, but like we spent a year then becoming just being pals, and How it was like you do
3: just be pals. Was it like
2: a? It was horrible. A was
3: deeply a, inappropriate friendship. <gasps> it was in your mind. In your, mind, <laughs> it in it your was mind.
2: Such. It was quite. I feel really bad because the boyfriend I was with was an incredibly mm. lovely man, and I and I before I met Gavin, I really thought I was going to marry him. Like we were together for three years, you know, and we yeah. lived together, and it was nice, and. Mm. Then I just, yeah, it was just like a wallop of just human chemistry just fell on top of us.
3: And was the um, final, when you were both free to do as you please? Yes. Was it as great as you hoped? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank God. I guess if it wasn't, you wouldn't. It, it was together. just, there
2: was just so much pent up energy and there was just, and I think as well that like, It's possibly why. A year
3: of sexual frustration. Yeah, yeah. And also
2: that year, we were just becoming really good pals and he was going on Tinder the whole time. So I was constantly hearing about like dates he was going on. It was just awful. And um, yeah, and then it's like, I think a big part of us being together so long and me still feeling like a competition winner is that like, I fancied him for so long. (laughs) Like, and it was like destroying my life and body. I fancied him so much, you know, it was just... I was thinking, I, he was the last thing I thought about every night and the first thing I thought about every Oh my God, I was so obsessive. Cute. Yeah. And I'm still obsessed yeah. with him.
1: You're oh literally in God. your own rom-com. I am. Well, well, I'm, well. In well, well. I'm in a rom-com. <laughs> I'm going to Cleveland.
3: <laughs> oh my God, I love that. And does he no. love Sex and the City as much as you do?
1: No.
2: No, <laughs> God, no. We are into very different things. Um, But he's very much, um he had a really art school background. Okay. Um, And so he just like loves visual art and loves painting and, and things of that Has nature. Has he painted you? he hasn't pay- has he painted me I thought i have to pause uh, he's definitely done some illustrated bits I, yeah. I once drew me and my boyfriend for Aww. our like
3: second year anniversary and it genuinely one of the most hideous things I've ever seen he hasn't kept it oh yeah well it wasn't good nice sentiment yeah
1: I was you have a dog right as well yeah there must be portraits of the dog surely there are portraits of the dog yes oh
2: <laughs>
1: okay yeah. so to finish yeah can we ask you for some culture echoes? Mm. Oh yeah. What are you watching at the moment? Have you seen anything you particularly love? Um, do you know what I just watched? And I shouldn't have
2: watched it on a hangover. Um, it was the new Brooke Shields documentary. Oh Pretty Baby. That. Do you know much about her? Yes. Uh, only I have
3: seen stuff about this. It's yeah. Quite yeah. depressing. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, it's I don't it's kind of really fascinating because like the thing about her is that like she was held up as a sex symbol when she was like 10 years old
1: yes with that strange film with the two yeah. children on a desert yes,
3: island the blue lagoon yeah. Yeah. and then there was also the one where she played a prostitute child prostitute pretty
2: baby yeah well, that's yeah it, oh, that's
3: it oh, course, when I was yeah. a kid
2: even though she would have been the generation before I was obsessed with her just because I thought she was so beautiful and also you just never see people your own age acting like that way on screen, you know, it's like generally if you're seeing an actor that age, it's like very disneyfied Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um and I just I just was fascinated by her when I was a kid and so watching the documentary was brilliant now. And there was so much controversy at the time that she was being treated as a sexual object as a very, very young person. Mm. And um by her own mother. Yeah, her mother was like, yeah. Complicit. Com- well obviously not not just complicit. She was like, you know, putting her up for these things or yeah. whatever. And The way that Brooke, as a very clever, like, 55-year-old woman now, sort of frames it, she's like, what's interesting is that, like, I... I, Yes, I was young, but, like, I understood art. Like, I Mm, I watched Fellini movies with my mother. I understood the purpose of art. I, for the most part, had quite positive experiences on my... And also, like, we were a single-parent household. It was how we got, like, our car and our rent. And, like, we couldn't make that kind of money any other way. So she has quite a level um you know attitude towards it but then she's like then you know everybody all over the world was so worried about her safety and her image when she was a child and then the minute she hit 20 she was like raped instantly by a producer oh my, my god it's really heavy um, oh my god but uh and she was like and she's like and I had no one to turn to and like no one cared and everybody was just like zip it you know oh my god that
1: is dark and it, it's sorry that's so fascinating dark. and i know this is like a, no. Like a lighter term no no hey we talk about quite a lot of that yes, we things, do but so. I,
2: I was so fascinated because it was like we have such a um narrow window for when we decide it's like will we that will be protective over women yeah it's like what what is like really what is the difference between 17 and 20 it's like yeah. everyone was worried about her when she was 17 and everyone's like well fair game when she's 20 it's like yeah
0: Yes, it's
3: like it's the nuts. It, it's like the Millie Bobby Brown thing of like as soon as she turned yes. eighteen, people were like posting horrible comments about what they do to her.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh.
3: So Ugh. on a lighter note, yeah. can you give us your best piece of celeb gossip?
1: Oh, as long as you say allegedly, yeah, you'll be fine. That's what we <laughs> were yeah. like. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. We heard that uh, allegedly, so and so. God,
2: I can think of a few, but
1: like, I don't want to get you in trouble. We keep hearing quite unfortunate things about David Walliams recently. Oh, oh yeah. all true. Mm. Yes. What's your relationship now with celeb culture? Do you engage? Are you someone that looks at celebrity gossip?
2: Um, I don't really look at celebrity gossip because I feel like I, I'm in the privileged position of having enough people in the world, like, you gi- get, like journalist friends. Gossip. Yeah, yeah. You get the good stuff. You don't need the
1: sidebar of shame.
2: Exactly. Although my relationship to has changed because like, um, Particularly like being friends with someone like Dolly, for example, yeah. who is like, like a legitimate famous person. Yeah. Like there's a difference between like, you know, once a week, a girl coming up to you in the street saying she loves your podcast and like, literally you gonna hear Dolly, like every 50 paces, somebody comes up to her in the street. And
3: Is it specifically in London or literally everywhere in the UK?
2: Everywhere. Like I've been to like Greek islands with her and people are like coming up to her, you know, and, and I can, I remember one time I was on like a sun lounger with her and I could see this girl, she had her book and she was like reaching back trying to catch a conversation and I was like that's such a that's such a hard way to go through the world thinking yeah. that like everybody wants to have a little story as well. about you you know it, yeah. yeah like oh god i can't actually just have a
1: conversation in public without people being like i heard dolly Alderton say that xyz yeah and like, yeah mm.
2: and like obviously she's just like you know my mate and like the most like wonderful like kindest person that i know and like the idea that like people and i see this, i feel so protective of her sometimes oh. when i'm out with her that people just want little bits of her and yeah. Um, they have their little story when they go away, and I, I just I feel like a bit of a, like
1: you know protective or something. Yeah. You know, has that changed your perception then of fame in a way? Having such a close friend, and it has. It like yeah. That? yeah, it
2: taught me that I wouldn't be able for it. I think really? you wouldn't ever. Yeah, want it. because I think she has this level of success that one happens like once in a generation mm. with authors. Like the idea that you could like have your memoir adapted by the BBC within your lifetime, and you would be producing and writing it, and having a bunch of best-selling books, and like it being so like. Authors aren't that recognizable mm. Facially Do you know what I mean The idea that like And I realize And like I think lots of authors In the world would be like Oh god if only I had what she had But when you are Up close to it You realize that like It's just it. It's not like being The most important person In the room It's like mm. Having a hundred thousand people think that you're their PA. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. They want things from you all the time. And she's so gracious with it, but I couldn't do it without like snapping at people. I think I um
3: one of my friends who works in publishing was at a dinner with her once. And she was like, she has this like star power she was like it's like she was like luminous she was like her entire face and hair and everything radiates (laughs) like yeah she literally is glowing and I think she does and I think she is also probably gets it because she's so recognizable as like she's so striking yeah she's really tall she's so tall she's beautiful she's six
1: foot tall
2: and she wears like four inch heels everywhere she goes yeah how Dolly. do you
1: feel then about like women's personal journalism I'm sure Dolly has said this in the past that mm. mining your personal life as a young female writer obviously is exactly what all the editors want and mm. you're encouraged to do but sometimes yeah. once you have a bit of perspective when you're in your 30s you can look back and think oh I wish I didn't like mine my personal life so much totally is that something you've done as a
2: writer yes I feel completely um I feel so lucky that everything because when I was working at the pool I would often write you know one or two pieces a day and a lot of it was like it was all just very click driven and stuff and I was a young woman and I was desperate to get my name out there as a writer or whatever and so I would there was nothing I wouldn't give them if I had like depression if I had like a bad smear test if I anything like I was like just take it take it take it and they they took it and I did and I also like I don't want to be too negative I did really well there and I have the career that I have now because like my journalism got noticed. Journalism, <laughs> like in quotes. Basically my personal ep- essays with a new spin um, got, you know, recognised by an agent and publisher and like that's why I have the career that I have now. But I'm also so glad that it's wiped. Like it's nowhere. Oh you know yes. Like, yes.
1: Like, That's actually a
3: silver lining yeah it's kind bust. of worth, worth the 1500 quid you still owed in a way
2: yeah oh, it's great I'm I love it because it's just like if, if you're looking at my you know if you came to my work now and we're looking at my biography it, just, it looks like I just emerged in 2018 you know yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. an yeah. overnight
3: success story exactly yeah sexiest yeah. way to break through um, so I know through research that you are sort of very good at tarot and in fact give tarot readings yes. and yeah. teach tarot which is amazing how did is that yeah it's a weird sideline yeah yeah do you, make, do you make money from as in is that a, no like,
2: no I, mean, I guess just... I make money from it if you count uh, the YA books that I write and sell yeah. <laughs> um but like you know so, yeah I got into it um when I was about 25 um me and my friends were all going through a really tough time because our friend was dying and um I think we just spent a lot of time just I don't really remember going to any clubs in my twenties because so much of it was sitting around waiting for news Mm. or sitting around deconstructing the news we just received, you know? And, um, for, and the, yeah, the tarot just happened that around that time. I, um, was on a haul, on a weekend away with a pal I found a deck And I, I kind of had a relationship with it When I was a teenager So I vaguely remember the principles And uh, then I just sort of taught myself off books And then my other friend, Jen County She liked it so much That she took herself to, like a proper course on it And she got like really? a degree in tarot um, So there's like quite a few of us now Who just are really well versed in it And um, I found it like gave me a lot Because I grew up Catholic And I've always just really responded to You know, mythology and stories And you know, having a story for your feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that really, I don't, I still write about it and I still like, you know, use it when I'm teaching kids creative writing. Um, It's really fun to like see what they come up with based on that stuff, but I don't actually practice myself anymore because I don't feel quite as Adrift anymore, I think. Interesting. I
1: love that. Yeah. Thanks. Do you have somewhere that you can recommend that we should yes. go? Because we've literally been talking about this loads on yeah. air recently that we want to go and have a reading. Have yeah. a reading? Yeah. If we want to have one live on one. Earth. You can do it literally oh. in Selfridges, but yeah. we were like, is that a slightly mm. antithesis to the spirit of.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. It I would. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: like going to.
2: I think, okay, first of all, for anyone looking for a tarot reading, I would say adjust your expectations first because I think the best tarot readings, they it's not like a cold reading thing where it's like oh you you know you're going to meet someone and you're going to go on a trip or whatever which all the bad ones they say that they say you're going to meet someone and they say you're going to go on a trip (laughs) Um, which we're always meeting people and we're always going on trips so um it's like what how a general tarot reading will go is that like you know the, the five or six cards come up or whatever and it'll be like okay well you know first of all I'm seeing a lot of you know, ones here, which indicate sort of passion and career and enthusiasm towards things. But I'm also seeing a lot of fives and fives mean, you know, conflict. And and it's a kind of, you sort of, you, you, you create a sort of a big vision board of what these cards are trying to say in the now And then you sort of ask questions and you dig deeper. And I would say to you like, okay, well, you know, this is a knight of swords, but like, you know, that means that someone who's driving towards something, but maybe it's they're driving towards an idea they had several months ago or several years ago, but they still think it's like important that they do it, but they've forgotten why they do it. And then you would go, okay, actually, yeah, I'm working on this book and it's blah, you know what, you know, and and then it becomes more of a constructive conversation rather than like a future telling thing. And I think, um, if you wanted to go for a reading in London, um, Treadwell, I'd say, is probably your best place. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. Because I know they also, they also do courses. So, um, and my friend did
1: the course there and she's great. So, yeah. Okay, okay nice. perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. And um, like, finally, where are your favourite London hotspots? Do you have bars, restaurants that you love?
2: god i once read a brilliant quote somewhere that said um the worst thing about having a favorite restaurant is going there for the third time <laughs> yeah. oh my god that's actually it's so true it's never as good yeah. i think it, i can't remember where i read it but i thought it was so good and i think that's like the london thing because you have so much choice that like yeah. when you go somewhere for the third time you feel like you're you know
1: it's a bit like boring almost yeah isn't it? Yeah.
2: yeah and also everywhere just closes all the time which is so sad yeah. There's so many restaurants that mean so much to me emotionally that don't exist anymore. Uh. <laughs> oh, do you know where I went for the first time the other week? And this is so yeah. bougie. Go on, uh, and I will go there two more times and then get a. <laughs> Covadis, <Cool. Yeah>. <gasps> yes, Ooh, I yes. have been there So mm-hmm. good, members
1: club. say hi. Yeah.
2: yeah, it sounds like I've spent all my yeah. time in fucking members you can, club. You can go no. not as no. Not you can go, yeah, club. I've, yeah, I've been yeah, there yeah once as well. There's, 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 yeah. they've got like
0: yeah. a big
1: restaurant and stuff. It's like also, it's like cool old school members rather than like. So house, oh, um, yeah, yeah, um, more the Groucho. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, everything was just so salty and fresh and mm. just good. And oh God, I had this like pavlova that I can't kind of stop thinking Ooh. about. Ooh. Do you know when you get a good pavlova, the and yeah. the top is really light, but the base kind of chewy mm. and soft? I love uh, that. it's so good. Okay,
3: what about bars? Give us one bar.
2: Where do I love to get pissed? I do love the Glasshouse stories. It's my favourite, like old boozer, because um, it's I guess just a, a Sam Smith's pub or whatever. But the um, it's on Lexington Street. And uh, it's where me and Gav used to kiss when we, when we were still secretive. Oh, <laughs> so cute. It has yeah. special memories. It is a special memory. So we place.
3: have a question from Alice Campbell. Yes. We always finish by giving our new guest a question from our last guest.
1: Oh, right. He didn't know it was going to be you. It's no. just we asked for a general okay. question. Okay,
3: great. His question was, how optimistic do you feel about the planet in 100 years' time? Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Just a light question there. We did tell him to try and end on a positive note. I think for him, it is positive. He was optimistic. He's oh. generally
1: optimistic about the future. Yeah. Yes. The so
2: future said... of the... Like, when, you, when you specify the planet, do you mean like the temperature and the uh, crops his and exact the wording, population control and all that kind of shit? Yes. His exact <laughs> no, I was, was... I was in a cab with somebody the other day at a literary festival and... They were like a climate person And they were using, <laughs> okay. Yeah But like you know They, they wrote about it They talked yeah. about it yeah, that, yeah. That, was, that was why they were at the festival And uh, I was try. I was just like It was a long day for everyone And there was a few of us In a cab back to the station And I was like Trying to keep it I was, like Oh Jesus we got great weather Didn't we And he, like, uh, he just kept talking oh, no. About how the world was burning And oh. I was like I don't know what you want me To do about <laughs> it In the back of this cab Right now mate Like It's, yeah, it's making
3: you feel bad About the not heat Not say yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah And I told him about like You know putting an offer in On a flat And he's like well Make sure You know Talk about flood damage Because oh, in God. a few years That's going to be a problem For
1: everybody and he's like May, I'm trying. Oh I'm working God. my ass off here. Well, Alice's question was, on a scale of one to 10, how hopeful are you that the planet will still be here in a hundred oh, yes. years? It's
3: a bit different
2: to the question I gave. Oh, the planet prefer. will be here. In a hundred
1: years.
3: Whether
2: we will <laughs> be will here. We be <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, uh, so
1: why is he hopeful? Uh, I think he was just saying that he's a general optimist about the future, specifically because, and this may ring true for you, going into schools as well, with his new book, which is like, but what can I do all about galvanizing young people Mm -hmm. and getting into politics? He's been going to a lot of schools, and Mm -hmm. he said that actually meeting young people is what gives him faith, because actually young people are so engaged, they're so interested, they genuinely care about the world's problems, and that seeing them makes him feel... Yes, oh, I twisted. have to say
2: I'm very excited for the massive deaths that we're going to experience yeah. <laughs> of, of very old policymakers who, yeah. uh, and and the sort of new wave of people coming up behind them. But like, I also I really hope that things aren't so rigidly uh, formed that it's impossible for, because we all wanted change when we were 17 and we were all, we all came rooted up against, you know, structural changes that were just too difficult and then we all bottomed out. Like, (laughs) we (laughs) get a bit tired. I love the youth and like I spend a lot of time with them as well and they are fantastic and they are interested, but also we can't, put that much pressure on them either it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. fair to them it's why they all have anxiety you know very good point that's very
3: true Alice has anxiety yeah. as well to be fair but I do I do <laughs>
2: feel hopeful I I am optimistic in general I feel like I, I don't read that much about it but I feel like we're kind of the new science that's developing in order to erase this stuff feels very promising but I also feel like ugh, I, I'm going I get really frustrated with I used to get frustrated with um when I was writing every day for a news outlet was like oh, you know, we were always like guilting women for buying too much, but society has made it this way. I mean, that was a big thing We yeah. talking when we we're, talk- were talking about the like, consumption and how much we're consuming or whatever. It's like, oh no, but like society pressures us. And it's like, at a certain point, we won't have to sort of pull up our knickers and be like... <laughs> stop fucking buying boohoo yeah. do you know what I mean like yeah. I, I just I just think there's no excuse I don't yeah. mm-hmm. I, I'm like, and people don't, like don't come at me like ring the like but uh, but money it's like I don't care like loads of people have been broke forever and they still have fine clothes yeah. like <laughs> yeah. like boohoo is not a no. right like I'm just I have I, I find it really hard to be friends with anyone who, who did that mm. like I
1: really would yes mm. <laughs> mm. would shop at Sheen yeah. God, yeah. yeah is that terrible to Say no um, no because I agree with you completely, and yeah. I would never wear anything from either of those places and I think you can go to h H&M, I don't think I've ever shopped Better yeah not perfect not perfect, but but also I have
2: like um uh I have a dress from Primark that I bought three years ago that I still wear it 's like you can you can make fast exactly. fashion slow fashion, I mm, think yes. you know, and I, I do think as women. And as a consuming class, we have to take responsibility for the amount of fucking clothes. Like, I agree. If we're responsible for one thing as a unit, it's the clothes bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the whole, yeah. like,
1: push on vintage shopping and how you should just vintage shop instead. I think that's amazing. Obviously, we need, like, a circular economy within clothing. But still, yeah. like, you could just not buy some shit for a few months. Yeah. Like, you actually don't need to buy clothes, like, every six weeks. Like, yeah. it's not actually not necessary. Yeah. Agreed. I still have to think, I think things dresses that I bought last summer to me now still feel new anyway because I only got to wear them like for that yeah. short amount of time that we had that was hot last year. I think year. I've had this new look jumper for 10 years <laughs> which is actually mildly embarrassing. It's really so, kept its shape. Do you have a question for our next yes. guest? Um, a general life question. It can be about fame. It can be about success.
2: Yeah, I would like to know their skincare regime. <gasps> um, <Thank> oh my <laughs> God, Because I've only just got one and I'm really proud. <laughs> <laughs> for years I was like, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not yep. buying into this fucking bullshit. Um, yes. And I do feel bad about buying into this fucking bullshit. But and then, then you turn and then I turn thirty, and it's like, oh, I'm aging, and I have acne. Wonderful.
1: actually, <laughs> <Don't laughs> oh, you yeah. t- yeah. your skin is stunning because but, of the regime.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, what's
3: your hero product?
2: Um, sadly, it is. Uh, a product I got from Sunday Riley which is too expensive oh, oh but yes. very good nonetheless that Really blue good night it's the, it's stuff it's the, the vitamin C serum
1: I have had a lot of people talk about that yeah. I've, I've stopped Holy wearing foundation
2: products. now because of the vitamin C serum oh my god and okay, I feel so like it's actually investment it's, it's
3: paying for itself yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> oh wow yeah. oh okay amazing well Karen, thank you so thank much you so for coming glad oh.
0: she's a